0: It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Welcome into this edition of the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn State Health. It's a new look for this show. As you might or might not have seen, our, our good buddy Daniel Gallen is now working for the team at Lions 247. Good team there. Good, uh, good reporter for us. But you got Bob Flounders here. I'm Dustin Hockensmith. Our first podcast together, Bob, in quite some time. We did some of this stuff together before, uh, but we're going to make it real special. We're talking... NFL draft and specifically looking at Penn State's projected late round guys, you know, what the pros and cons are of their games, perhaps, and maybe what the future holds for them. We'll touch on recruiting a little bit, looking at Penn State's latest commit, uh, Conrad Hussey, the three-star from Florida safety. So we'll look at him and as well as the young safeties coming to uh, Penn State's program soon. Uh, but first, Bob, I know I know you had a uh, an intriguing question from a Penn Live subscriber on our subtext, just about Penn State and their and the quarterback position this spring.
1: I thought it was a a well thought out response, and I and it, it kind of gives some balance because, to be honest, Dustin, I feel like the majority of the fans that we interact with have been just a little bit too critical of Sean Clifford. Obviously, I know that he, he did not. Down the stretch, play great last year. He battled an injury. He's going to be a four year starter. James has made it pretty clear with the way that they handled him in spring and with uh, his comments and Mike Gersich's comments that it's his show, at least early in the season. They they believe that, you know, there's some room for growth there, and they're very well maybe. But I mean, he is going to leave Penn State pretty much holding all of the records in the QB room. But uh, he's also probably, I'm trying to, I don't know that. I can remember a four-year starter at quarterback for Penn State, I don't think ever. So I guess Zach Mills kind of was that way, but I think he missed some time. But I mean, Sean, Sean's going to hold a lot of records. And I just wanted to get to this comment for the viewers and the listeners and for you as well. David Curtis in Folsom, California. So, David, thanks for the uh, comment. And I thought that it made a lot of sense. Anyway, here we go. Getting Sean Clifford good spring reps in year two under Mike Yurcich is a good thing, especially the year two part under the same system. He should be a lot more comfortable under Yurcich now, and I'm sure Clifford has done a full load of film study in the offseason. If injury-free, I expect Clifford to have a good year. I'm not concerned at all about the number of reps the young quarterbacks got in spring ball. I think they were appropriate. I am more interested in seeing the young guns spell Clifford occasionally during the season and get some experience under live fire to aid development. The extra QBs will also keep Clifford out of harm's way. So that's the comment. And I, I should probably add that James said that I think Clifford had over 200 pass attempts during the spring practice followed by Christian value. And then the young quarterbacks drew LR and Bo Prabula were very comparable. I think there were one, there was a, there was like a margin of one or two more for uh, drew And James made it clear, do not read too much into that. I think they really like Bo Prabula, and I think that is a very, very fascinating race. But I thought that that fan had some very interesting comments about Sean, and he made a pretty strong case that maybe Sean will actually take a leap forward in the fall if he can stay healthy.
0: Lee, I don't know if I if I see a leap per se. Yeah. You know, I I know there are there are shades of gray from what we've seen from Sean Clifford and being dinged up and you know what you saw in the first four or five games last year if you can pr- project that over over 12. Especially, you know, they're saying and doing all the right things in terms of saying, hey, year two under the same coordinator and all that. And I and I do believe that that can make some difference with Sean and I also agree with uh with David that yeah, and you, you got to in, invest in the future, obviously, but like you have to invest in the present right now. And what's what good does it do to bypass Sean Clifford and say, "Oh, he's got, he's had enough work. You know, he he needs the work." And uh, you know, the more the more in command of this offense he can be, the better everybody is.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that uh, uh, Davy Jones and I have talked about, and I think the fans have not forgotten about, is there was really a little bit of anger directed at James and Mike because they did not have a number two quarterback ready to play at Iowa and not ready against Illinois because they played Clifford Hurt. So I think there is a a fine line that needed to be kind of walked. I mean, now Christian Value showed he could do it against Rutgers. uh, uh, That, to me, tells me that if they didn't really give that many reps to the young guys in spring – They feel good about value as the number two guy. But the other thing, Dustin, is when you get a five-star quarterback on campus at Penn State, something they have struggled to do, I mean, James Franklin inherited a five-star and Christian Hackenberg and didn't do anything with him. When you get a five-star on campus, I do think you want to encourage him as much as possible if you think he's the real deal.
0: Yeah, and that's going to be the interesting thing. I mean, James Franklin and his relationship with Sean Clifford has cost him other quarterbacks. You know, it cost him Will Levis. Yeah, it, co- it cost him Tommy Stevens. Yeah, and I think the 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 delicate balance of um, keeping Bo Perbola engaged and not making him feel like he's the the redheaded stepchild, which I am a redheaded stepchild. I hate that <laughs> phrase, but. Um, <laughs> You know, to, but, but to also encourage Drew Aller. I mean, it is, it is a fine line. As you pointed out, you know, I think the numbers were 134 pass attempts for Drew Aller, 132 for Bo Pabola. And James Franklin didn't waste a breath in saying, don't look too much into that. (laughs) Uh, And I've made this point before. I think it's not going to be until like this time next year, if all goes well, that you're going to get any indication of who's ahead of who in that, in that, in that competition. James tries
1: to be as vague as possible for as long as he possibly can in this day of the, pulling the quick trigger and being able to leave to go to another program I understand it but he I still think he's kind of learning to manage Penn State's quarterback room especially when he finally gets it to the point where they got four guys they like I mean I don't know that that's always been the case that they've had boy three or four guys they were like you know what if we gave any of these four guys number one reps for a month I think they could all kind of uh, they could all you know play competitive football in the big ten. But he needs to be a little bit, I think, better about that. And the other thing I would agree with you, Dustin, is there's no need to make for life when you pick a quarterback. Like there, there's a world where there's another quarterback that comes in as he, if he's as good or better and he's the future. Like it's sometimes you just have to make a hard decision.
0: And then the loyalty thing, I think James Franklin will always say he'll live and die by the loyalty thing. And, you know, like we'll see where the loyalty to Sean Clifford uh, takes these guys in the fall. I I, I think he's going to have a nice year. I'm not being critical of Sean, but. I
1: agree with you, Dustin. And I feel like I've certainly presented enough, not doomsday scenarios, but hey, how high is the ceiling and maybe what's the harm and and really taking a long look. But um, you don't have to look very far uh, about three miles, three hundred or three hours west in this state to see a quarterback that took a huge jump his last year uh, in a college system because Kenny Pickett was not a good quarterback in 2020 and 2021. And last year the light bulb came on and he it was Mark Whipple's system and he, and he had some good receivers. You know, I I, I do think you have to give Jay, uh, Sean the benefit of the doubt, but I think for most fans the benefit of the doubt is going to last the first three games of the season when they have to go to at Purdue, they have Ohio at home, and then they go. They got to go to Auburn. I think that is where – That's. I think that's going to be the threshold. He's going to have to play well early or else it's going to get real interesting in State College.
0: You can only wish upon a star for so long with the six-year quarterback, right? Like, At a certain point, you can't keep projecting into the future. All right. Let's look at the NFL draft real quick. We're sitting here, just full disclosure on Thursday. We're going to assume, um, day one and day two, Penn State's going to have Jahan Dotson go off the board on an Jaquan Brisker. There's a chance that that one, maybe two of them go in the first round. There's maybe just an an equal chance that all three of them go in the second. We'll see what happens, but we're going to focus on some of these later round guys and, and, uh, you know, just our thoughts on, on where they are. So you've wrote something today for Penn Life, just how this could be. Certainly, James Franklin's biggest draft haul um, since since he got here. Is it fair to say, with all this NFL caliber talent, is Penn State achieving what they should achieve right now?
1: No, it's. I mean, it's, it's, it's what you say is right. Uh, that's the other thing. When you, when you lose six of your final eight games, you start five and zero. You you mess up the quarterback room and that costs you a minimum, a minimum of two games, a minimum. I don't see how they're not going to have at least eight guys drafted. Some people have Jordan Stout as a priority free agent, but I don't I don't think so. Uh, when you're going to pick that many players in the draft and you have a guy that can be a weapon and handle three different jobs, I don't know how someone's not going to draft him. If he gets drafted, it's, it's going to be at least eight. Ellis Brooks could be nine. Um, I don't know about Derek Tangelo. I think he's probably a free agent, but there's no way you should ever lose six games with that kind of talent. And they have some good players – on the current roster, that had great years last year, whether it was Tig Brown at safety, Curtis Jacobs kind of emerging in, in the linebacker room, Juice Scruggs who returned was probably their best offensive lineman last year. You know, Parker Washington is a dangerous receiver, and they lost six games. So, is it half glass full or half glass empty? I do think that it might not be a great look if they have nine guys drafted and they lost. They, they lose six games, but it, it does speak to how badly uh, last season unraveled for that team.
0: Unraveled is a a good term for it. All right, let's look at some of these guys. Um, Brandon Smith. So uh, arrives arrives as a five-star, you know, you you saw the freakishness just by looking at him. And I don't think that really changed. I think it's just going to kind of come down to his future in the league of – Instincts and maybe that tendency of trying to hit a home run with a big hit when he could have just hit a single and got a guy to the ground. I mean, can you fix that stuff? And certainly, I think somebody's going to love him with the way that he tested and the way that he looks. Somebody's going to love him, just no matter how how high he goes.
1: Yeah, to run four or five at two hundred and fifty pounds, and and it, it is a speed size league. Um, you know the the fr- so Friday's round is is the second and third round, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think with the right coaching and the fact that he's young, I think you could make a case that he's a top 50 or top 60 player. I certainly would. But uh, the reality is he did miss some tackles. He also made a lot of plays at Penn State. And I think he was just starting to figure it out a little bit. That 2020 year, the year that they really didn't have any off-field instruction because of the pandemic, they just kind of threw him into a starting role. The field linebacker role, which I never really thought was, was really suited for him, um, and then they finally moved him inside the box and he had his best year. I think I could make more arguments for him being an impact NFL player than arguments against that. He could go he could go in the third round, but I, every, a lot of the drafts I've seen, I've seen him in fourth or fifth round. To me, he is the most interesting player uh, for Penn State in this draft because I think he's got a very, very high ceiling. But I also think if he does not clean up, You know, some of the things that really kind of worked against him last year, you know, I don't know that he can be an every down player in the NFL. And when you're 6'4", 250 and and you can run and move like that, you really should be an every down player and you should be able to play for a long time in this league. So I am fascinated by him and I'll be real curious to see where he fits. And it only takes one or two teams, Dustin, to really like him to move his status uh, but I'm a I'm much more of a believer than I knew the fan base is. They were really disappointed in some of his uh, efforts as far as missed tackles. I don't know that Brent Pry necessarily. He's a fundamentals guy, and he's like you know I want him to play a lot of different positions. And we're going to bring him along slowly, like they did with Micah. I just don't know if Brandon Smith shouldn't have been in the box all along, and then just turning him loose rather than have him backing up in coverage. Just have him go 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 blitz the quarterback. Go just try and play the play the game in the backfield. I just think that maybe that's going to be his best fit and and I do think he'll be he'll be better in the pros than he I think he is in, than he was in college.
0: That statement, I mean how much, like you you can make that statement with a lot of Penn State guys, which I think speaks to our earlier conversation about underachievement or whatever, but um when when you look like that and can run like that and are are, you know, have the physicality that he does, you know, he's going to he's going to um fall into roster spots even if it doesn't pan out with his first stop. You know, he's going to latch on. He can play special teams with that speed. Uh, I think he's going to be in the league for a while, and I do tend to agree with you that he can keep going. But would he have benefited from another year?
1: Yeah, I think he would have, but that's just the trend anymore. Penn State doesn't really have a strong NIL game. That's something I think that's going to be something that James and his staff and and the university need to kind of find a way to ramp that up because if you just look around – nil arms race penn state's not really they're just kind of getting started and i don't know if there was a lot of enticement some of those guys that are on the fence to, to return for another year I, I i think that brandon probably i think if he had stayed another year like you look at what jesse lucchetta did jesse lucchetta was not the ballyhooed prospect that brandon was but at the end of the 2020 season you know jesse lucchetta was an inside linebacker that he yeah he was a starter was not very impactful if you look at his tackles for loss and stuff like that. Uh, he got a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, probably a little bit smarter. They put him in a role that obviously he he excelled at as a as an edge rusher who can also play linebacker. And he went from probably either an undraftable or a seventh-round draft pick who he, last year to, you know, I don't know if I'd be surprised if he went in round four. I think it, it's hard, though, to make that decision – and commit to another year of college when you think you're ready to play in the NFL. Well,
0: that's a good transition to Jesse Lucetta because he did uh, he he did make that transition. And I think the way that Penn State used him uh, without really a a firm position next to his name, although you know w- lining up with his hand in the dirt looks like a pretty good fit for him because he's just. Uh, He's so violent and so aggressive and so physical and, and uses his hands well. He does a lot of things really well. And then you also saw that clip that will probably make its rounds, you know, again, this weekend of him falling back into coverage into the flat and making that pick six. Um, you saw the, you know, the, the instincts that come with playing different spots, but being positionless is where football is kind of on its way to. And, and this is, this is a guy that, uh, should speak to some NFL teams because he's shown that he can do that.
1: Yeah, the, I think violence is is a really good word to use for him because he does. I mean, when when he they, you saw some, I saw some clips of him at the Senior Bowl, um, you know, on the practice field, and I think he, it, I think it carried over into the game. Now it's, it wasn't much of a game. You kind of make your money on the practice field, but he was he was causing all kinds of problems for offensive tackles, engaging them, pushing them back. He's got underrated speed, which I never really knew he had. Uh, he can go sideline to sideline, but he plays angry. You know, he's a fit as a defensive end. He could play up as an outside linebacker, I think, in a 3-4. The team that I I look at with him would be the New England Patriots because they play so many different defenses, and they want big linebackers who can move, who can punish people, or who who they can set the edge on the outside. That, to me, would be a team that I think would have some interest in Jesse Lucchetta in the middle of the draft. But, yeah, I think Jesse clearly was – one of the most improved players on Penn State's team. And I, I'll be honest, I did not see this gear coming. I, I thought that he would be improved, but he was really, really a hell of a player at Penn State last fall.
0: The Patriots, that's, that's an interesting... I'm going to mark that down as, as a prediction because... Uh, uh, and, and I'll bring it back up if you're right. I won't say anything about it if you're wrong. That's how I like to handle predictions.
1: It's called pulling a Dave Jones. If he throws enough crap on the wall and he goes two for 100... Guess what you're going to hear about for the next two years or in print? Those two he got right. You'll never hear about the 98 he
0: got wrong. <laughs> and I don't, I don't blame him for that, but that, that is his MO. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Curaleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. How about Rasheed Walker? And I think he, he's a good example as well as a lot of quarterbacks of why uh, forecasting, you know, a mock draft a year plus in advance makes almost no sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, a four star, right? I would argue that his redshirt freshman year of 2019 is probably in a lot of ways maybe his best year because he I thought he was a little bit more consistent as a redshirt freshman. But it also speaks to his talent level. And it is tough playing offensive tackle in the Big Ten. When you're going up against the Boses and the Hutchinsons and the Ajabos and the Iowa defensive line, and then you play maybe a a pretty good non-conference team, you're you're on the field. An offensive lineman doesn't come off the field. You run 65 plays and 35 are passes, and you get beat on three plays. They're not talking about the other 32. I think he, he can play in the NFL. I was a little surprised. I was reading the athletic and Dane Brugler's The Beast, which is the Bible now as far as I'm concerned, as far as the draft, and his detailed information. He said that I think with about a month ago or halfway through the season, uh, Rashid tore the meniscus in his right knee in 2021, and he also had a really serious bone bruise, and he just wasn't the same player. Now, I don't know that that's an excuse, but I'm sure it hampered his play. You saw him on crutches down at the Outback Bowl. Um, when he wasn't able – to, he opted out, but he was with the team. He could play right or left side. A lot of people see him as a right tackle. I wouldn't be stunned if he went late in the third round, but to me, seems like a fourth-round guy, maybe a fifth-round guy. I did find it interesting to know uh, Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh – well, he's with the Athletic now. Long time, long time Steelers beat writer, and he worked at the Post-Gazette and really the go-to source, I think, when it comes to Steelers football. He did a mock draft maybe a month ago, and he had Rashid Walker going to the Steelers in the second round, which really did surprise me. But I think I think Ed's a little bit more plugged in than most, so I think the Steelers like him, but I don't know that they like him enough to take him in the second round.
0: Uh, you bring up an interesting point uh, with James Franklin and the and the injury thing, I, and I, I get where he's coming from on, on this. I, I, I don't I don't necessarily vehemently disagree, but. You know, the way that fans are viewing Rasheed Walker is unfair to Rashid Walker if he's playing at 70% for four or five, six weeks. And I don't know what the solution is there, but just the Penn State's policy of not talking about injuries. And Tariq Fields is another one playing through stuff, you know. It, it can be unfair to the player if you don't know what's going on.
1: Yeah, and I think that's just – I think James is, would probably tell that player, hey, that's, that's life in the big city. That's life in the fishbowl because we're not going to change our policy. Knowing James, as thorough as he is, he probably makes it completely clear to the players when they get to Penn State. Hey, look, if you're hurt, but you can play, we're not going to talk about your injury. So, you know, you're going to have to deal with those consequences. And I, I do think that um, at least for Rashid and his pro potential, that stuff and the fact he didn't even test at all. He was invited to combine. He went there, didn't work out, which should have should have set off some bells. And then at the pro day, he, he didn't work as well. But I I do think he had a chance to kind of talk uh to all the NFL teams and they also got his medical. So I think at the end it's gonna work out for him. But yeah, the Penn State fan base, the Penn State fan base just remembers Rasheed and Caden Wallace getting their lunch handed to him in the Michigan game. And it's probably not fair, especially if Rashid was maybe seventy five percent against those killers.
0: Uh, I mentioned Tariq Kessler Fields. He's, he's a guy, um, you know, good, good showing for him at, at the combine. Um, you know, the, the length thing, he runs well. He moves well. Not a lot of, um, standout film though on him for a variety of reasons, including, you know, some injury stuff along the way. Um, is he instinctive? Is, can, can, can he play the game well? I mean, I, I think with the way that he, um, tested and the way that he looks, you know, a team's going to want him. He can, he can probably hang around for if it's a special teams, whatever. But uh, what do you what do you figure his ceiling can be?
1: Uh, I think I think in this age of uh, sub packages in the NFL where you're going to probably have multiple more than two quarters in the game. I think I think initially I think he I think he is absolutely probably a third or second corner in terms of ability. But there's a couple of huge asterisks in my mind for him. He's he is a, a tremendous talent. He actually had a very good game against Ohio State. He was matched up against Olave, I think, most of that game, and Olave had a long touchdown, but he didn't really do much. I think the rest of the game. My only question with Tariq, having watched him in 2020 and and this past year, is how much time is he going to spend in the shop? And if he's 90 percent on game day, is he gonna is he gonna want to play? Um, because I, I just felt like watching him warm up uh, in the 20, 20 during the 2020 season, and then even I think prior to the bowl game. He sure looked like he was healthy, and I don't know what was bugging him, but especially in 2020, Dustin, I think he missed the last six games, and he would warm up. <laughs> he warmed up, I think, for the last five, and he looked like he was, you know, feeling his oats, and then teams goes back into the locker room, and he's in sweat. So I just don't know. If, you're, if I'm an NFL team, I want to ask him about that. Like, what exactly was bothering you, and, you know, what what's the deal with the pain threshold? I think he's an NFL player, but I think if you're an NFL team, you have to wonder about those dnps
0: that's a it's a fair point um you mentioned jordan stout earlier can be a weapon i mean is he more than a a punter i mean i I think uh he he looks like a guy and and why wouldn't you maybe invest a sixth or seventh rounder if you if you see a guy punting for you for 10 or 12 years, you don't have to worry about that spot you know and he's not the only one there's a couple others in this draft maybe too that that might be worth um worth a shot but i I do feel like he's going to get drafted what what is his role is he strictly a punter
1: I think kickoff man too. I I think that will translate, especially in some of these uh, NFL stadiums that are there. It's either warm weather or they're in domes or it's just, it's just, you know, I don't know how many kickoff returners are going to have any success against a guy like Jordan Stout. Just the fact that he can do two things really, really well and control field position. um, That's a big thing. I think if you're an NFL uh, GM or a coach, but the, you know, and if he was a little bit more trustworthy as a field goal guy, Dustin, he might go in like the third round. But he was just a little—I don't know about that. I think he, I think he's a punter and a kickoff guy. And I think if anything happens to your regular field goal kicker in warmups, you can probably trust him to be about six out of ten. I think in the NFL, if he ever gets better at that, like look out, Dave and I talk all the time. There was a kicker named Robbie Gould at Penn State, and he was like fifty percent, and this was. This was like 20 years ago, and we were like, this guy, like he could forget about the NFL. And not only has he figured it out, he's one of the great clutch kickers in in NFL postseason history. I don't think he's missed a kick in the postseason. And that's the Bears, the 49ers, and he's played. He was playing this past year. So there is a chance that he could improve. And I would just say I don't see any world in which somebody waits to sign him as a priority free agent. I think he could go as early as round five.
0: Um, yeah. And I think with all that in mind, I mean, how many teams have probably lost games because they, they had no other option, you know, for a field goal kicker. And it's like when, when your kicker gets hurt, you can almost guarantee it's come, it's going to be a three point game somehow or another. Um, so George, Jordan Jordan out can provide some coverage there. You mentioned Ellis Brooks too. Let's touch on him real quick. I'm I'm genuinely conflicted about him because I feel like he, his how dynamic he was was a little underrated. Um, at Penn State, you know, maybe could have been could he have benefited from another year? Um, would another year of film helped him? What you know, where where is he going to go? Like, I just don't know how to evaluate him.
1: Yeah, he was at Penn State a long time though, Dustin. I think if he came back, it would have been for a sixth year. I I think that he got dinged a lot. I think when he ran at the pro day, I'm not positive about the time, but it might have been like four eight or something like that. I would say this about Ellis: I think there are players that run well, like when it's not a football game and there's no worries. And I think there are guys that let play a lot faster uh, during the course of a game. I think Ellis Brooks is plenty fast enough and plenty quick enough. Not to use a comparison, but I would say this: if Troy Reader can play in the NFL. I think Ellis Brooks could play in the NFL. I, I think I, I think I think Ellis is every bit the player Troy Reader is, and that's why I think that even if he does not go in the draft, he's got to be a priority free agent because I, I just think that he will get better and better, just like he did at Penn State. He's big enough. I think he's quick enough. He's a leader. I think he also really got drew a lot of praise at that uh, East-West Shrine game. He was a guy that I think really stood out. Uh, so I, I do think. Teams are aware of him, and I do think he's a guy. You look at some of the linebackers that have gotten drafted or or played in the NFL, and he's certainly as good, if not better. You know, Josh Hall was a guy I think that got drafted, and he, he had a pretty long or a lengthy NFL career. I think Ellis Brooks is a little bit better than him.
0: Those are good comparisons to make. And I think, um, his ability to play fast and, you know, more, he's not just, uh, make the routine play in front of him, too. I think is worth saying, like, I think he can pursue and he can make plays in the backfield. He showed that, too. Uh, mentioned it and I'll just mention it and kick it to you for one quick thought on this. But my, my first thought is, uh, with the addition of Conrad Hussie, he's a three star, he's six feet 190. He's a safety from St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, a powerhouse program down there. Penn State. You know, I, th- I think has slowly uh but surely kind of built a nice pipeline at that position. You've got key Wheatley and Jalen Reed who are probably, I don't know, maybe two, three, four. They're, com- they're in the competition for those uh, spots on the two deep. So nice little base of young talent there. Then in the 22 class, Makai Flowers, super athletic. Christian Driver, super instinctive. KJ Winst- Winston is another instinctive guy. Tyrese Mills, you can – I think people are penciling him in, coming from Lackawanna College, to just make a pretty big impact, like uh, Jair Brown and Jaquan Brisker. Then you add Hussey here in the in the twenty three class. Uh, there there's some nice talent either on campus now. And on the way. And then, you know, my my thought for you is, um, you know, when you have a guy who looks pretty good, um, maybe could be a four star down the road coming from a really good program. You know, I think of Kalen and Kobe King and what that meant for them, like they got the coaching staff's attention, both physically and mentally. And I just wonder if you're competing at a very, very high level in high school. Is this a guy who could do the same thing?
1: My thought on Penn State and safeties um, moving forward, not only currently, but moving forward is, I think it's fascinating to watch how James Franklin and his defensive coaches have pivoted uh, at safety when it comes to identifying them. Um, if you remember, there were a couple years where they just flat out recruited guys out of high school as pure safety prospects and they missed on them. There's For whatever reason, they just did not work out. And Penn State learn to move guys over, successfully move them over. And they had success not only at Penn State, but um, also, you know, at the next level. Troy Apke was a wide receiver. Nick Scott was a running back, took one look at uh, Saquon Barkley and said, yeah, I, I want to try another spot. And you just won a Super Bowl. But I think Penn State has kind of figured out the formula. I think they will still offer pure safeties that they really, really, really like. But I think now they've learned that, Let's just recruit some athletes like Makai Flowers, and let's let's just let's get some guys that we think can play safety that maybe didn't play a lot of safety in high school. Get them on campus and see where they're at after a year or two. And the other thing is that pipeline they have via the JUCO route with Ja'Kron Brisker and Tig, um, and now uh, the Mills kid. I, I just think there is more ways to kind of to to kind of identify safety talent, and I think Penn State's got a much better you're going to see them still develop safeties and that good safeties. even as key Wheatley started as a corner, right? Um, you're going to see them develop NFL caliber safeties, but the path they take to getting them on campus. I don't know how many pure safeties you're going to see them recruit. Cause it might just be that in high school, it's really hard to identify a guy that's got all the traits to be a good safety at the major college level. And maybe that's what Penn state's workaround has been, but They'll take on all comers if they think they can, play, if they can play safety at Penn State. They don't necessarily have to have been a standout safety, I think, before they got to Penn State. They might need a little seasoning via whether it's Lackawanna or another junior college. But I do like the fact that Penn State has kind of fought, found its way around of maybe eliminating the quote-unquote misses at safety uh, in a recruiting class.
0: And I think, um, the pipeline from cornerback to safety is known. How about the, the blurring of the lines between safety and linebacker, which has happened football wide too, which you've seen with Jonathan Sutherland as well. To me, like, if you can recruit guys who are 6'1", 190, who are explosive and dynamic enough to play multiple positions, you, you create options for yourself with, with that. And Flowers, Driver, Winston. Uh, the kid, the kid from St. Thomas Aquinas all kind of fit the bill there. Interesting thoughts there, I think, for Penn State and the management of the safety position. Uh, you can tune into the NFL draft Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, we'll see what happens with Penn State. Bobby Flo will be, um, covering whatever happens with, uh, with the late round guys in addition to, uh, you know, Thursday's first round, Friday's second and third round. So check it out, uh, Pennlab.com slash Penn State football and be sure to locate us on the blue white breakdown everywhere podcast can be found. Thanks for tuning in to the Blue White Breakdown. We'll see you next time. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Pen Live.